and This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. And there shall be false teachers among you, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, wrote the Apostle Peter. What does that look like? What do false teachers look like? And how is it that so many will follow their pernicious or deadly ways. We explore that here today as we announce the latest report. Another Texas megachurch and 58 Louisiana churches are leaving the United Methodists amid LGBTQ schism. The United Methodist Church, UMC, is accelerating its moves to become more accepting of LGBTQ people leading to more divisions within the denomination and more departures from the group. This month, the church's second openly gay bishop was elected. At least 300 U.S. congregations have already left the UMC this year. Hundreds more are in the process of leaving, and that number could reach the low thousands by the end of next year. Overseas congregations in Bulgaria and Slovakia have ended their affiliation with the denomination, and churches in Africa are considering it. Many are heading for the newly formed conservative denomination known as the Global Methodist Church. The new denomination was established by former conservative leaders from the UMC, and it follows a biblical New Testament doctrine that does not recognize same-sex marriage. The White Chapel in uh, Texas is one of those megachurches that left the denomination. And its leadership released a document prior to uh, the vote giving reasons why the church was exploring a realignment. Currently, they said, due to the ongoing division taking place in the greater UMC, congregations across America are being asked to choose their own pathways for future affiliation based on their core values and theological beliefs. Today, they said, we are experiencing the UMC as a broken institution. The alternatives we have been given don't seem to align with our context or our theology. Yet during a virtual meeting, the United Methodist Church cut ties with 58 churches in its Louisiana conference as well. The main church's delegates voted 487 to 35 in favor of the departures of the 58 churches. St. Timothy Church, which at 6,000 members is one of the largest Methodist congregations in Louisiana, voted to pursue disaffiliation on November 1st. Those departing are still a fraction of the estimated 30,000 congregations in the United States alone, with nearly 13,000 more abroad, according to recent UMC statistics. Today, we're not leveling a diatribe against Methodists, against the United Methodist Church, but we're taking a look at why these things are happening. That's the focus here today on Viewpoint, because it deals with false teaching, And false teaching requires false teachers. 
False teaching requires false teachers. Otherwise, there would not be any such teaching that would be false. So false teachers and false prophets, uh, I believe, are cut largely from the same cloth. There's something about their message and perhaps their methods and attitudes that is deceptive and dangerous. So today on Viewpoint, we're going to explore the nature of false teaching, ways that the truth can be falsified, and tests for truth. We're going to bridge from cults to Christian denominationalism and from small groups to the megachurch phenomenon. We're going to probe the deceptive side of doctrines that we often hold dear. And so by its very nature, our, our program today is going to be challenging to many people. The religious and spiritual landmines that are laid throughout the world, even throughout the world of professing Christians, are so many, so voluminous and carefully placed so as to, I would say, dare anyone with goodwill to to deign to approach the subject of doctrinal deception without risking violent reaction and explosive retribution. So for that reason, my friends, you are urged today to make every effort to take with a heart toward righteousness, righteous response rather than reactionary, knee-jerk reaction. Now, the, the issues that are going to be presented here today, not just what we announced with regard to the United Methodist Church, but the result of 60, well, almost 63 years of exposure to in and within the broader body of Christ from coast to coast, and in a variety of mainline evangelical and Pentecostal charismatic persuasions and denominations. I've, I've been there. I've been there. The author, me, author of a book called The Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception, is the son of a man who ministered for 70 years at a variety of denominations, and I myself have engaged in ongoing pastoral and media ministry for actually about 40 years now. 30 years with Save America Ministries, and at least 10 years before that. Over the past generations of personal ministry and broad church exposure, it is my viewpoint that things have become glaringly apparent that dramatic changes have taken place in the lives and the beliefs of professing Christians causing anybody with an honest mind and heart, knowledgeable and careful in their observation, to shake their head in disbelief that such dangerous drift could take place. So, I warn you that the church is in grave danger of being dashed in pieces on the shoals of deception. And that's precisely, I believe, why Jesus and the apostles warned, take heed that no man deceive you. Followers of Christ could not be deceived. Jesus Christ was, if if followers of Christ could not be deceived, then why would Jesus warn disciples about it? And then there was Peter, the apostle. There shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. 
and many shall follow their pernicious or deadly ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. I hope I have your attention here today on Viewpoint. This is critically important because this is the day of deception. My wife uses a little different phrase. She says, this is Satan's hour. She says it over and over and over again in our conversations together. She says, Chuck, why do you, why would you be surprised that any of these things are taking place? Why should any of us be surprised this is Satan's hour? If it is, we are right in the midst of a pit of deception so great that as Jesus said, if it were possible, even the very remnant, small remnant elect would be deceived. I hope you'll stay tuned. Again, this is Viewpoint. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Today we explore the subject of false teachers and false teaching. You might say, well, who are you to decide what false teaching and what false teacher are? I'm not. I'm not the one to decide. God decided. And he gave us understanding as to what it looks like. And you and I are supposed to be so knowledgeable in the word and the will and the ways of the Lord that we would be able to identify and observe false teaching just like anyone familiar with a dollar bill should be able to identify a counterfeit. Unfortunately, more and more professing Christians are not familiar with the Word of God as they should be. They're not prepared. They haven't studied to show themselves approved unto God, workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. And so they're susceptible to wrongly dividing the word of truth. So I ask you the question as we move forward today, why do people believe falsehood? Well, as I said, one of the reasons they believe falsehood is because they are not prepared to identify the truth. And so in a culture such as has developed in the West, and in fact all over the world, but in the Western world in particular, we find that we have actually virtually addicted ourselves to wanting but to believe what we want to believe, notwithstanding what the Bible says. In other words, we have allowed our feelings to become the judge of whether or not something is true. And you know how fickle our feelings can be from one day to the next, from one minute to the next sometimes. It's amazing, isn't it? So why do people believe falsehood? Think about that for a moment as I make available to you my book, Seduction of the Saints. How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. 
First of all, do you believe that we're in a world of deception? Do you believe that Jesus warned believers, purported disciples of the deception that was to come and warned about how severe it would be? Do you believe that professing Christians can be deceived, seduced to follow another path? Remember what the church leaders there of White Chapel in Texas said in releasing a document prior to the vote, giving the reasons why they were leaving the United Methodist Church denomination. They said, we are being asked to choose, uh, congregations across America are being asked to choose their own pathways for future affiliation based on their core values and theological beliefs. Notice it doesn't say based upon what the Bible says. It says based upon their chosen values, their chosen theological beliefs. But does the Bible actually clarify what those theological beliefs should be and what those values should be? That's where the problem lies. So get a copy of the book, Seduction of the Saints. It's an $18 book, yours for $15, on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Bunk 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 2. 3255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. You will not be disappointed. I really am convinced you will not be disappointed. I think it's fair to say you have never read a book like this. This is a book for these times. This is a book that does not play around with dangerous things pernicious and deadly things. Rather, this is a book that helps us all to identify where those deadly things lie, what seduces us away from truth and helps us to walk in righteousness and in peace in the Holy Spirit. So why do people believe falsehood? Well, As we've already indicated, the vast majority of people on the planet are going to believe a lie. That's what the Apostle Paul Paul said to the Thessalonians. And he said, few there would be that would walk in the narrow way. Jesus himself said, straight is the gate, narrow is the way, and precious few there will be that find it. So we need to understand why that is true and why it would be true. So understanding that is our first defense against false teaching, I believe. So let's let's go back to the simple words of the Apostle Paul to in his letter to the Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses nine to twelve. He said, People will be seduced by false teaching and false prophecy for either or both of two reasons, two primary reasons. Number one. They love not the truth. Number two, they take pleasure in unrighteousness. In other words, you could say 
They just want to do what they want to do. They want to live the way they want to live, and ain't nobody going to tell me anything different, including God himself. So you either conform to my feelings and my ideas and my hopes, my dreams, my willingness to adapt to the culture as we see it, no matter how it might differ from what Christ himself said, or you're out of here. That's what the United Methodist Church is saying now, increasingly, to the rest of the people. So let's look at the underlying heart condition of those who are going to be deceived. That is, they either have a latent desire or active will to be deceived. A latent desire, that is something lurking there within themselves. They're not quite quite aware of it, but it's there. Or they have an active will to be deceived. And if, if that were not true, wouldn't they be lovers of the truth and take pleasure in righteousness from God's viewpoint? So at, at this point, we have to honestly fit as the Holy Spirit searches our heart. Where do you fit as the Holy Spirit searches your heart on these two standards? Loving the truth and taking pleasure in unrighteousness. Do you honestly consider yourself to be a lover of the truth? Do you embrace the truth, the whole truth, even if it hurts, even if it goes against what a dear relative or friend believes or is practicing? Even if it goes against what the purported spiritual leader in your church or denomination says? You see, God's standard is his standard. His standard for righteousness, that is right waysness. So the question is then, do you dance with the deteriorating and continually redefined cultural standards that are rooted in compromise? Remember, the Apostle Paul said that there's going to be strong delusion, not just modest, not just incidental, but strong delusion. And delusion is a false belief or opinion strongly held in spite of the invalidating evidence. That is, invalidating evidence as presented by the Word of God itself. So why are such beliefs strongly held in spite of biblical evidence to the contrary? I want to share with you 10 biblical reasons why. Why delusional or false beliefs or opinions are strongly held in spite of what the Bible actually says. First, they love not the truth. Second, they prefer unrighteousness. Third, they prefer wonders over the word. Next, they actually love unrighteousness. Next, they have only a form of godliness. Maybe a churchgoer, for instance. Or they say, I believe in God, as if somehow that makes them special. They're easily led due to fleshly desires. They seek information, but reject the transforming truth 
In other words, the application of the information. They actually resist the truth when it's perceived as undesirable to their flesh because their minds have become corrupt and reprobate. They will not endure sound doctrine, but seeks teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. Doesn't that sound like politics, friends? Isn't that what the politicians are doing? What do I have to say to the people to get them to vote for me? How can I hide the message? How can I hide what I really believe and tell them what they want to believe? That's politics. Finally, they turn their ears from truth, preferring falsity and even fables presented by seducers who wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, just like their hearers. I I know this may uh, be, be tough talk for troubled times, but indeed, isn't that where we are? Aren't we in troubled times? Indeed, we are. So the next thing we want to look at is how to identify the features of falsehood. Now, we're not going to be able to identify all the features of falsehood, but we're going to identify many of the features of falsehood. And we're going to be doing that in the second half of the program here today. Again, you're listening to Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny. And amid all of the politics and all of the discussions and the ramifications and the wringing of our hands back and forth, many of us are troubled by outcome of various elections. On the other hand, we know that America is not going to be saved by the next election. It might stay off. It might hold at bay things that are uh, wrong, things that are very uh, hurtful to the country, both currently and future. And we, we should try to do that. We should do what we can to do that. But we cannot pull our, put our full trust there because the reality is that our politics are full of deception, rampant with deception. And that's why politicians are given a legal break for telling lies. Did you know that? Politicians are not held to account legally for the lies that they tell in campaigns. I'm not talking about so-called white lies. I'm not talking about things where they make a mistake. I'm talking about actual, blatant, outright lies. You know why that is? Because we have come to the place where we actually believe our politicians will lie to us. Now, if you believe our politicians will lie to us, and they're human beings, even those who purport to be Christians, do you think that that would not be the case even among, say, spiritual leaders? We don't want to believe that, and we we want to believe that we can trust them, and we should be able to trust them in a major degree, but when our spiritual leaders become like politicians and expect the politicians to be like pastors, 
you know we're in deep trouble. And that's where we are today. So we're defining deviancy and deception downward. It's becoming easier and easier and easier to deceive and to seduce. Again, I want to make available to you the book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. (coughs) $15 will put this $18 book in your hands, and I believe it may very well be some of the best $15 you will ever, ever spend. This book will give you, moms and dads, youth leaders and so on, this book will give you weeks, months of discussion material that is so applicable, so hyper-relevant for our times, you won't have to look for relevance. It's here. And you will get the engagement of your young people. You will. We'll be back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. All right, so here we are today on Viewpoint taking a look at how to identify false teachers and false teaching. Remember, people believe in falsehood because they want to believe in falsehood. They love not the truth, not really, and they have pleasure in unrighteousness. In other words, they want to do what they want to do. Reminds me of, I believe it was Aldous Huxley, who said... You know, I have to believe in evolution. Here's why he said he had to believe in evolution. Because he said, if I don't believe in evolution, then by definition I have to believe in a creator. Because there are only two alternatives. Two ideas supporting the existence of humankind. Either evolution or creation. And if there's a creator, he said, then that means that creator is... uh, so powerful and has the right and authority to tell me how to live. But I'm not going to believe that because if I believe that, then that's going to curtail my sex life. And so I'm going to believe in evolution. Can you believe this is a, this is a man who uh, was reputed to be mega smart, not too smart. He wanted to believe what he wanted to believe for the reasons that he wanted to believe it. Had nothing to do with whether it was true or not. Does that sound like you? Or does that sound like somebody in your household, in your congregation, 
in your neighborhood, because it's everywhere. So let's take a look at identifying the features of a falsehood. Now, the only way that we can identify this is from God's viewpoint. Because God's viewpoint is the only viewpoint that matters. The culture's viewpoint is irrelevant. The politician's viewpoint is irrelevant. And in a sense, the pastor's viewpoint is irrelevant. Unless it aligns with God's viewpoint. That's why we say here on this program, viewpoint determines destiny. There are no neutral viewpoints. So, there are at least seven very clear characteristics, I believe, of falsehood. And so we're going to take a look at them. The first one is it reveals a false character of the teacher. So the Bible urges us to truly know those which labor among us. That that calls for a level of confidence that's born of uh, a closeness, relational intimacy, observable Christian and consistent Christian character and behavior. It has nothing to do with charisma. It has everything to do with Christ-likeness. So Christians are very easily seduced by celebrity charisma, even in the name of Christ. We like to be wowed, don't we? So many pastors will use celebrities to try to grow their churches. It's been that way ever since the 1970s and the church growth movement all over the country. It's probably happened in your church. But you can't trust celebrity. So the Apostle Paul gives us the necessary attitudinal and behavioral standards for all persons considered as leadership in the Christ body. And we find them in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 to 13, and Titus 1, 6 to 14. You can look them up. So as a point of illustration, a pastor or a prophet or a teacher who has not given to hospitality will be given to selfishness. Now, when was the last time you heard anyone say that in selecting a leader, a pastor or anyone else, that they had to be first given to hospitality? Not gifted in hospitality, given to hospitality. Have you ever known that to be a consideration on a church board or anything? No, most likely not. So right up front, the boards have ignored what God said through the Apostle Paul of one of the essential elements for the attitudinal and life characteristic of a true Christian leader. They must first be given to hospitality. I'll tell you, when I first saw that and realized that about 40 years ago, it changed my entire life. It shook me up. It changed our whole family life. It was transforming. That's why I wrote the book together with my wife. The Power of Hospitality. The Power of Hospitality. I urge you to get it. It's right there on the website, saveus.org, saveus.org. $15 will put that $17 book in your hands. It'll change your life. It will. 
And what a great season right now to get a hold of that book, maybe even give it as a gift to people that you count as special. Give one to your pastor as well. The power of hospitality. But that's just by way of illustration. You see, we don't want selfish leaders. We want people that are given to hospitality, which is to reach to strangers. In other words, to do unto others, not before they do unto you, but as you would want them to do unto you. There has It's the link that provides the true application of Christian love. So one who teaches and preaches or prophesies as well as one appointed publicly to serve has to hold the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. A corrupt conscience is going to translate into a corrupted and deceptive message. So the condition of a person's life determines how and what he declares as true. Look at a pastor's life. Look at what who they are, the consistency of life and practice. Do they seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or are they seeking to become prominent? Another characteristic is a false calling. Some have said that many a pastor or priest has been called by his mother rather than by God. But men will, will uh, many men entering ministry with corrupt minds bear a carnal message that connects with carnal hearers who sing their carnal celebrity praises. Most men, however, begin with a clear conscience in the ministry, but then become corrupted with an increasingly corrupting church system that's designed to please people and the carnal nature rather than God. So a pastor or teacher or prophet who panders to the people and therefore refuse to teach or preach the hard and heart-convincing truths of the Bible, and not just those that make people feel good, has become a hireling and has shifted his calling from Christ to the culture, and he is a deceiver who is deceiving the disciples. It's inevitable. Another characteristic of a deceiver a uh, false teacher, is they deliver a false character of God. So when the very character of God is falsified, then the call of God in our lives becomes distorted, and it results in deception that can lead to a very undesired destiny, by the way. And this, this may be one of the most serious problems uh, that's seducing saints today. The deceptive nature of such teaching is usually not that it is totally untrue, but rather it is only half true, leading to a false understanding and a false faith in a false God. So, it stems from, you could say, an inherent desire to give God a makeover so that he can become more palatable to our fickle feelings and fast food tastes. So, For instance, the Bible says God is love. Yet the prophet Malachi excoriates those who claim to be God's chosen, saying that they have forgotten the God of judgment. God is compassionate and merciful. And for that, we're we're very grateful. We ought to be more grateful. But he is also the God of truth and righteousness. 
And he expects those who claim his name to live righteously. Not just have a belief that God is, but it is the rewarder of them who diligently seek him and follow him in righteousness. God desires that we be blessed and happy. Yet he commands that we be holy. And without holiness, no man will see the Lord. So you can see how pastors are prone in the flesh to emphasize the things that they know are most likely to please the people and least likely to offend them about the character of God. Now, how far has this gone? Well, let's go back to 1993, the very year we formed Safe America Ministries. The date was April 5th. Time magazine had on its cover... It was the cover story called The Generation That Forgot God. In the the lower right-hand corner, it did say that this was the generation that forgot God. The feature article was called The Church Search. Now, how could there be a church search if the generation had forgotten God? Well, here's how. And Time Magazine nailed it. Americans were flooding back to church after Gulf War I. People were afraid. And Time Magazine said church would never again be the same. And the reason it would never be the same is because, here's what they said, Americans are looking for a custom-made God, one made in their own image. Now, that's idolatry, friends. That's not biblical worship. That's changing or giving God a makeover to look like us. When we were supposed to be made in the image of God, now we're trying to make God in our image. Does that not sound like deception to you? It's profound deception. And it's leading to all kinds of deadly decisions like what the United Methodist Church and the whole denomination is making and causing it to crumble. A remnant is seeing this is wrong. We'll be back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Today on Viewpoint, we're looking at the nature of false teachers and false teaching. 
We're not here to uh, try to identify every aspect of every false teaching and every false teacher. We're not here to be muckrakers. We're here to look at things from a principled standpoint so that you and I, as honest followers of Christ, can apply the scriptures and be forewarned and prepared to avoid the very landmines that the deceiver is laying for you to destroy your life and that of those in your sphere of influence. There's a reason Jesus warned against deception. Deception will lead you to destruction and eternal damnation. Unless that path is corrected. Now, it's very possible that you might identify with some of the things that uh, we're sharing here today, even though we're not going to name individuals. We're not here to uh, uh, try to list every conceivable type of application of a false teaching. But we're here to give you the broad understanding so that then you, as a true follower of Jesus Christ, will seek out the truth and not be caught. Also, you can get a copy of the book, Renewing the Soul of America. Excuse me, Seduction of the Saints, Staying Pure in a World of Deception. You can get Renewing the Soul of America, too. That'll help with the issues of character. Seduction of the Saints, Staying Pure in a World of Deception. $18 book, yours for $15 on the website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us. All right. Now, we looked at false character of the teacher. We looked at false calling. We looked at false character of God. Now we look at the false Christ. So as with God the Father, so it is with God the Son. If we mischaracterize the Father, it leads inevitably to a redefining of Christ the Son. But Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So mischaracterizing of Jesus also leads to recreating God the Father in a false image. And that's exactly, precisely Jesus' specific identification in oneness with the Father that caused the religious leaders to label Jesus a deceiver and a blasphemer worthy of death. So consider that in in all honesty, neither pagans nor professing believers, including their pastors, care very much for the God of the Old Testament. Have you noticed that? The God of the Old Testament was seen as mean-spirited, judgmental, and oppressive. Jesus, on the other hand, they see as generally loving, tolerant, compassionate, and light on sin. But, Jesus said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. So how is it that we can have this bifurcated, divided idea about God the Father and God the Son? From God's viewpoint, it's clear we've grossly misinterpreted not only the Father, but also his anointed one, the Son, haven't we? How can we truly say we love God God the Father, or Jesus Christ, when we so casually and coolly ignore their own self-disclosed and self-described character. Isn't it true? What we've actually done is created a custom-made God, a redesigned Jesus. Hmm. 
So what we choose to believe about God and about his character and the ministry of Jesus is either going to lead to truth and its proper application or a distorted gospel truth into a patchwork of half-truths opening the floodgate to fallacious faith and a false security. So how are you going to deal with the words in the book of Hebrews, our God is a consuming fire? As it is written, you know, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. For a, So a false Christ, therefore, is not just the imposter who presents himself saying, I am Christ, but it's also a falsified Christ, redesigned, redefined, reimagined, given a makeover. Interesting, isn't it? Jesus, the great physician, is in, but Jesus, the prophet and ruling king, is out. Don't yield to that kind of temptation as pastors, parachurch leaders, and people to feel compelled to market Jesus to an unbelieving and resistant culture. It always, when you try to sell Jesus, you will manipulate his character and his truth, and you will present a false gospel. Sorry to say it so bluntly, but it's true. Then also there's the idea of a false controversy. So who's on the Lord's side? How do we know? The Bible says God has a controversy over this question. In fact, he has a couple of controversies. Jeremiah said the Lord has a controversy with the nations. Those who do not call themselves by the name of the Lord and believe are condemned already, Jesus said, because they love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. But God also says he has a controversy with those who claim his name. For instance, the prophet Micah lifted up his voice like a trumpet to Israel. He said, hear the Lord's controversy, for the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will plead with Israel. So what's the root of this controversy that God has with professing Christians in Israel? The prophets and pastors keep telling the people, is not the Lord among us? No evil shall come upon us. In other words, the pastors refuse to tell the people the full truth concerning God and his character, that there is a judgment coming. So they give a feel-good and flattering message that carries a lot of favor among professing saints and seduces more and more people to pass through the doors of the church and the church growth movement or the seeker-sensitive movement. Hosea also warned the same thing about God having a controversy with the people. Then there's also the false commitment. To whom is God committed? To whom are you committed? To whom is your congregation or group committed? We know what the United Methodist Church is committed to, the LGBTQ agenda. They've declared it. They're blasphemously blasphemously, uh, baptizing bishops, electing homosexual bishops, lesbian bishops, 
So it's like the people versus God, isn't it? And then it's government versus God. The government wants to tell you what's right. Really? What are we to do if government becomes a terror to the doers of good works? That's what's happening. So if you buy into and are gradually seduced by all these other aspects of deception, you're going to bow to government and its de-edicts, no matter what, even if they're anti-God, including receiving the mark of the beast, ultimately. Then finally, another aspect of uh, false teaching and false teachers is that they contain false content by their very nature. The false content is either unbiblical or unbalanced. Unbiblical teaching is easier to identify than unbalanced teaching. Unbiblical is what the United Methodist Church is doing with regard to promoting LGBTQ because God says he hates. It's an abomination. The practice of homosexuality is an abomination to him. By the way, he also hates divorce. Don't forget that. So any church that promotes divorce is already engaged in false teaching. By definition, according to Jesus and the Apostle Paul. But by unbalanced, we mean teaching that may support certain passages by which is presented in such a way as to ignore other equally important and counterbalancing passages. And that seduces the saints into a false theology, unbiblical beliefs, and false trusts. So, you have either unbiblical teaching or unbalanced teaching, and if you want to find out more what those things look like in specificity, get a copy of the book, Seduction of the Saints, How... How to stay pure in a world of deception. Whole chapter is devoted to false teachers. But then there's also a whole chapter devoted to false prophets. Hmm. And maybe you thought that the whole issue of seduction was about false teaching. No. It comes in many, many, many forms, friends. It comes through the world of science, not just from the pulpits, but from the pews and from the professorships in our universities and colleges and from the politicians. A whole section in the book is called Seducing Spirits and Doctrines. Seducing Spirits and Doctrines. Oh, and then... We give clear, clear instructions about what it means, how you move forward in a positive way to live pure and holy before God. Remember, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So it's not a matter of trying to uh, elevate yourself as a holy man, so to speak. No, because usually that involves pride, and God hates pride too. But the Bible says, John, the beloved disciple, said, every man that had this hope, that is the hope of the second coming, the return of the Lord in him, 
will purify himself even as Christ is pure. Very few pastors will ever preach, teach, or focus on that verse. 1 John 3, 3. And there are reasons. Because of theological misapplication, misdeception, and they won't present it. Well, guess what? They are seducing the people to be unprepared. You don't have to be prepared. All you have to do is confess Christ. Really? So then what did John mean? He didn't mean confess Christ. He meant prepare, purify, walk in holiness and impurity. Oh, well, we don't want to talk about that because that will make people uncomfortable. Well, the whole Bible is intended to make people feel uncomfortable, friends. Don't you understand that? We're sinners. And that's why we need to be so profoundly grateful for the mercy of God that extends an opportunity for salvation to us to avoid a certain death penalty. Because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. That is to those who will walk in righteousness and in holiness as a manifestation of their trust in Christ and his salvation. I hope this has been helpful today. Uh, might be challenging to some, but as you read the book, I think you're going to find out they're, they're going to be, uh, we're going to fill in the gaps and then things are going to come to your remembrance, things that you've experienced or are experiencing right now. More and more people are seeing this happening across the country. People are contacting us. Where can we find a genuine uh, church fellowship that both loves God, teaches and preaches the truth without compromise, and truly loves the people and uh, cares for people in community? Where can we find that? Maybe that's your question. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint. Become a partner. Send your gifts by faith, friends, to Save America Ministries. We're doing our best to be faithful to the Lord's calling to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. Go to our website. Make your generous gift there. Get a copy of Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. I do not think you'll be disappointed. God bless. And let's walk by faith. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.